You are listening to Normalized Crime, an in-depth look at gang life and all the effects that come along with it. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Normalized Crime. I'm Eric. What's going on? Berto here. And Berto, we're back after a slight delay in recording, but... And it sounds like we got a kind of a different angle on the episode this week. What do you got for us? Yeah, yeah. So um, you were gone for a long time. I think, yeah. see, our audience doesn't know how long you were really gone because they just, they're lucky enough to get an episode every week, but I'm just sitting on my hands for weeks at a time. Yeah. Yes. But <laughs> Berto's sitting on his hands thinking, when, are, when am I ever going to do a podcast again while I sit on the beach and just. Yeah, I'm rusty. Life, so. I'm rusty right now. I don't even know. You know what I mean? Like I'm I don't I don't know if I still got it. But uh yeah, so today I figure, man, it's a good time to kind of catch up a little bit as far as bringing the the viewers up to speed um with everything we kind of got going on and I feel like there was a little bit of uh, I guess a lack of communication on our end when it came to when it came to asking people to leave reviews. So I just want to I want to clear that all up. Um, you know, right now I have, I believe like seven reviews. Okay. And, um, initially I had said that the first 10 reviewers to leave a review, um, I'd give them a $10 gift card to Starbucks. And that's still my plan a hundred percent. Um, so, but what I, what I want to do is I want to reiterate to the people who left a review. Um, to email normalized crime so I can have your actual email address as well as an address to send the gift card to once I have received 10 reviews. All right. So and I'm not going to get it to you right now because I'd rather send them all out at once. So once I get 10 reviews, um, then, then I'll, I'll start, I'll, I'll send them all out as long as everybody sends me their address and then I can get it out to them. Yeah. Let me see one, two, Three, four, five, six, seven. We actually got eight. So we're two away. So we get two more reviews and then I'll get those, uh, I'll get those gift cards out for the listeners, man. And uh, just side note, I appreciate, man, we've been getting a lot of love and I, I just appreciate that. And and that's kind of why I wanted to switch this episode up a little bit. You know, obviously the stories in the vault are always going to be there. So I figured I'd just take the time today to actually be a little bit interactive with one of our longtime listeners from the very beginning. He's been a listener and he's actually a friend of mine. And, um, every friend of mine right now is probably thinking, is it me? Is it me? No, it's not you. (laughs) (laughs) So, so it's, it's one of my friends, man. And he actually sent me some really, really good questions. And so, um, I, what I'll do is I'll read the question, right? And then if you have any insight you want to add to that question, you can, you know, and then I'll answer it the best, the best way I can. And then, and then we'll move on to the next one. So that'll be kind of the format for today. I think we can kind of bounce that off of each other. And I'll be honest, man, I've been, I've been looking at these questions all day just to kind of get an idea in my head about how I felt. And I I got stuck on this first one. And so the question is this, it says, was there a voice in your life that wasn't, and that's the key part of this whole question that wasn't, that was not in the gang life that tried to help you see a different way of life rather than gangs? And that's such a huge question. And the reason why it's such a huge question is because when I was a kid or when I was, you know, becoming a gang member, the one 
thing that I hated, I despised, was older guys who were ex-gang members trying to tell me why I shouldn't follow in their footsteps. Like it was just, it was just something that I never ever, um, I never ever liked. You know, I didn't like people trying to put pressure on me to sway me away. But all those people were all ex-gang members. And so this question has has uh, it's 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 really big. Um, do you got anything before I get into it? Well, uh, first question I want to ask you about it is: so you you did not like the aspect of a, of a, an, an ex gang member or a retired gang member saying, you know, you shouldn't follow in this path; it's not good or whatever. Would you say that the other gang members around you did they feel the same way for the most part, or do you, do you think you were heavy on the feeling of no? you're not going to tell me what to do with my life or whatever. Um, I think, I think that might've varied, you know, you know, obviously I feel like by the time that conversation comes for a lot of people, you're probably doing some pretty bad things already. And so your mentality is usually set by that time, you know, for people that are maybe a little bit more influential as far as they, they, they maybe second guess the gang or, you know, they weren't, necessarily hundred percent in, then people like that might've pushed them away. You know, it might've, they might've had a chance to influence them not to be in a gang. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like it's, it's, it varies. It just varies based on the person and the length of time they have in. Okay. I, I have more questions, but I want you to answer the question first because the other questions I have, you might answer in your response. So. so okay. 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 Yeah. yeah. And then just to finish that thought, you, you got to remember, right. Before, before people even really knew that I was like knee deep. I had been, when I say people, I mean like my family and, and um, you know, non-gang members. Um, I had been nine months to a year already in the street. You know, I kind of just disappeared from everybody I knew. So uh, yeah, so that's, that's, uh, that's why it varies on people on how they would respond to this. Okay. So the question is, was there anyone? Okay. So this is uh it's a bittersweet question in the sense that I want to answer it without using a gang member. Um, and I will, but there is also one ex gang member that had my ear and I'll get to that in a minute. So the first one was, is in the most important one to me. And this, this is, this should be a testament to how important this gang life ended up being to me. Because the first person and the only person that I always think about was my father. You know, my father hated gangs. He he wanted me nothing to do. He wanted he didn't want me or Tim to have nothing to do with gangs. Um, and you know, you got to remember when I when I uh, when I decided to become a gang member, I ran away from home all the way, like I just mentioned. And so, by the time I see my father again, you know, I kind of show up on his doorstep and you know, my girlfriend at the time is pregnant and I'm a full blown Latin King. And, you know, he had just hit the last time he seen me, I was like a middle school breakdancer with really good grades. And so, um, <laughs> you know, there was obviously like a big, big switch there. And, and I remember even having a conversation with him and he was like really, really distraught, you know, he's really hurt. And he's just like, listen, whatever I did to make you leave like that, I'm sorry. And I, and, and I don't ever want you to feel like you can't come home. And, you know, obviously I feel like shit now thinking about it. Cause you know, my dad just, he just loved me. I was just his son, you know, but <clears throat> I didn't think of it like that. I just thought of it like, you know, you're not going to allow me to do what I want to do. So I'm just not going to be around you kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, but 
so the conversation I had with my dad, this is this is this was like a real conversation, man. And that's why I said this is after I was already knee deep. And so um these are usually when these conversations start because it wasn't just wasn't just my father. Um but he had my my dad actually it was something there was something that happened where he ended up in running having an encounter with a, a, a Milwaukee police detective. And the Milwaukee police detective just so happened to be you know, one of the guys who had been chasing us around, you know, for almost a year. And, and, you know, he knew us from our childhood because he was a cop right from second district. My mom used to be a crossing guard for, for Riley elementary school, which is right there by second district, um, on the South side of Milwaukee. And so he knew of me and Tim since we were nine years old and, um, you know, full disclosure, my dad was, was, you know, he wasn't a stranger to the law neither. He wasn't in the street like I was, but he wasn't a stranger to the, to the law. And so he had, the detective had just a normal conversation with my dad and said, Hey, listen, man, your, your sons are out here, you know, and, and they're out here bad. And, and my dad, you know, obviously being, uh, somewhat of a street guy himself, you know, he, you know, he wasn't gonna, he wasn't gonna disclose anything to the detective or anything like that, but he, he just lent him his ear and he kind of just let him talk from my understanding, the detective was just basically like, listen, man, you know, your two sons are out here and they're not just in gangs. They're, they're gang leaders. They're promoters of violence. They're staples. And, you know, he's telling all my dad, my dad, he knew that we were, he knew that we were in a gang, but he never knew that we were staples. You know, he never knew that we were, you know, foundation, foundational pieces. And so I'm sure he was shocked. And, you know, there was even the, they they actually made up a name, right? And this is funny because nicknames never stuck for me and Tim. They they never stuck. Um, we were always just Tim and Berto. And there was a small push when we first started coming around to call us Taco and Burrito. And I and I never I never understood. <laughs> I never understood it, right? And it, you know what's funny is like one of the guys, one of the this is a quick side side note. One of the main guys who used to give out nicknames was Fro. Right. Like he just loved doing it. And he tried to hold on to burrito for so long and, and nobody called it. And then he just he was calling me Rito for a while. And that stuck a little bit, but it just was never enough. But but anyways, so the, the detective is telling my dad, listen, your sons are called. This is it's the funniest name. Right. But they were calling us the shoot 'em up bang bang twins. And obviously we're not twins. Right. But at that time, me and my brother looked really we looked al- we looked alike a lot. And so, uh, yeah, they, that, and he's telling my dad, yeah, listen, that's their nickname in the street. You understand it, right? Like that's what they're known for. They're not known for getting into fights. Like these guys are known for shooting people. Anyways, so now the conversation gets to me and it's me and my dad and, you know, and, uh, you know, being fair about the situation. Um, I was about 15. Um, and you know, I was, I was drinking around that time. I was smoking. And so all those things were a normal part of life. You know, a lot of people probably think, man, a 15 year old drinking, 15 year old smoking, but that's just, it's commonplace, man. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so anyway, so, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm having a drink and, and my dad just explaining to me, he's like, listen, man, like you guys got a lot of heat on you. You know, he's like, I got this dude telling me about you. And he's like, it it might be time to back up, you know, and kind of, kind of analyze where you're at and, and look around and, and, uh, you know, lay low for a while. And of course I gave him the lip service that I felt like he wanted to hear, you know, okay, dad, you know, and 
you know, I'll kind of back away. But in the back of my mind, bro, the conversation, as soon as it started, it was dead on arrival, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't, um, obviously it wasn't because my dad, because my dad was somebody who I love and I adored, you know, as a, as a child, it was because the message, um, I wasn't ready for that message. And I don't think there was anybody else in the world that could have gave me that message if my dad couldn't. So to answer that question is in a long of a paragraph as I can. Um, yeah, there was, you know, there was somebody who wasn't in a gang that tried to help me see a different way of life, but I didn't want to see it. I didn't even want to, I didn't even want to entertain the idea. Um, one other person, one other person, and then I'll let you jump in with a question. Okay. Um, so this was an old school King. And, uh, we used to just call him big who, right. And that's what he was known as in the hood. Well-respected King. Well, well-respected King from way back. in. this is when Latin, this is when Latin Kings were primarily just fist fighting other gangs, you know? So this is, this is a long, long time ago, probably at the inception of Latin Kings in Milwaukee or close to it. And, um, I ended up going to alternative school on eighth and Scott, which is right in LF hood. And he was the, he was the security guard, but he was also like the assistant principal. It was, it was, it was a weird setup, Yeah, but (laughs) (laughs) it was a weird, it was literally like a church on the corner and it was, it was considered an alternative school. And, um, and so he used to, he really, he really took a liking to me and my brother and even Chico to some extent, you know, and Chico went there with us and, and rest in peace to Rick. Rick also went there with us. And, and so he took a liking to us and he knew we were like around brothers, you know, he knew we were around Kings. And so, um, obviously, you know, he, listen, regardless of what anybody says, and I'm talking about from the King standpoint, even when you're done with the King life, like you don't just turn that off, you know, like it's still naturally because you, you put so much blood, sweat and tears. Now you're not going to do the things you used to do, but the Kingism mentality is still there to some extent. I don't know if that makes sense, bro, but, but it's like, I guess the best parallel I could say is even though you're, you're probably never going to reenlist in the Navy, like mentally, the Navy is still always going to be with you. And you almost take a little sense of pride in knowing that, you know, that you represent the Navy. Now I'm not saying I take a sense of pride in saying I represent the Latin Kings because I don't, right. I'm I'm no longer a Latin King. But what I'm saying is that, that, that part of me, it's, it's, it's always going to be in there because it's a chunk of my life, you know? Right. And, and so, and a significant chunk of your life too. Right. Right. I and mean. so, and so Julio was the same way, you know, big who, uh, he was the same way, man. Like, you know, he wasn't a King anymore. He wasn't gang banging. He wasn't throwing up crowns, but he looked at us like, man, these are little brothers and and he wanted to look out for us, you know? And, and he would always have conversations with us, bro. And be like, listen, man, you guys got so much potential. You know, you guys are athletes. He's like, man, you don't need to be in the street. And he and he'd always say, like, the the gang isn't what it was when I was out. The gang isn't what it was when I was around. And he's like, it's evolving into something that I don't think nobody should be a part of, you know. And um, that was always like the common theme, common theme, common theme, right? And then so one day, um, you got to remember, like I said, this is on Eighth and Scott. So this is literally in the center of LF Hood, and. I had a run in a couple of times with these guys. Right. And they didn't do nothing. Right. They just, you know, they were, they were looking at me crazy and, and, and you know, I'm like throwing up my hands like, what's up, you know, but they didn't make no moves. And I, I felt like they were plotting on me, man, to be honest with you. I feel like they were plotting on me, plotting on my brother. You know, my brother had kind of stopped going 
and Chico would stop going. And, and so I felt like they were plotting on me, man. And so I ended up bringing a gun to school, right? But I never brought it into the school. So what I would do is I would hide it outside the school, close to it though. And so I hit it, right? I go to school. And then when I'm leaving, right, I'm going to get my gun. And literally, it just is, it's like a movie, bro. Like literally as soon as I grabbed it from my hiding spot and I'm getting ready to put on my waist, like Big Who walks out. Right. And he sees me. Right. And it's like, you know, it's like the after school special. You know what I mean? And he's seen me right away and he's like, what are you doing, man? Like, are you stupid? You know? And, and I, so I explained to him like, listen, who like these dudes, you know, they be out here and, and, and you got to remember, bro, like older, older school guys, and this doesn't necessarily have to be Kings. They don't, when they're out of the game, they don't understand the depth of the game, if that makes sense. So like in his mind, he was like, man, screw these guys, man. These dudes ain't going to do nothing, man. But what he's thinking is, even if they do do something, we can fight them, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, not not him, but meaning me. But he's not understanding. That's not the game no more. The game is shooting people, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's not like when he was out or when he was around and you could walk away from a fight. I, I had no problem with getting beat up, you know? Um, but you're not walking away from gunshots nine times mm-hmm. out of ten, you know, when there's a lot of them. And so, and I try to explain that to him, like, bro, these dudes ain't fighting no more. You know, this is the kind of heart this dude had. He goes, come on, get in my truck. Right. So we get in his truck. He's like, listen, bro, I want you to graduate. He's like, and I know that this shit right here is going to stop you from graduating because one, you're probably going to stop coming to school because you don't want to run into these dudes without a gun. Obviously I can't let you bring a gun to school. You know, he was like, so this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to pick you up every day and bring you to school from your house. And he did, bro. He did. He was picking me up every single day, you know, and um, all the way until the school year was almost out. And, you know, obviously I was in and out. I wasn't, you know, I was, there would be days where I just tell him or no, or he'd he'd call my house to, to pick me up and I'd be like, yo, not today or whatever. Eventually, you know, even when it got to the summertime, he'd get a hold of me and ask me, yo, you want a job? You want to work? Like, I got work for you. You know, like he was just always one of those guys trying to get me away from the bullshit. You know what that turns into? Now that turns into me avoiding him, you know, instead of gravitating towards the person that I should be, you know, that's going to put me on the right path. I go away from him. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's. It's sad to think about now. It really, it really frustrates me because there's so, there were so many opportunities that I had, you know, so many uh, forks in the road, so to speak, right? Like people say you come to a crossroads so many times, you know, they they say you come to a crossroads, you got to make a choice, but you can come to a crossroads a million times, you know, it ain't like, it ain't like it's got to be one time and you make that choice and then you're good because you can ultimately hit that same crossroads and go back the other way. Mm -hmm. So you know, like that's what it was, man. Like I'd have a bunch of, I'd have opportunities to, to move around away from the things I was doing, but then I'd be like, nah. And, and then before I knew it, like those, those thoughts or, or even prospects, they were just, they were just non-existent, you know? And, um, the one that always stuck out to me, man, was him, was, was big who, and I, I honestly, I never knew what happened to him. I mean, I hope he's doing great in life. You know, I imagine he's, He's older now because I'm older, right? So, <laughs> um, but but yeah, man. So so that's that, those are kind of two examples of people who try to get me away. Um, what you got for that? 
So the first, I want to start with your dad. So, and, and this was an immediate person that came to my mind when you asked this question, because I do remember you saying that how against gangs your dad was, but so you said when, by the time your dad really sat down and had this conversation about like, you're headed down this path, you should not be doing this. You should be rethinking about things. You said you were already like a year in to being a Latin King. Like you were a full blown Latin King. Right. And everything. Do you think had he sat down and really had that conversation with you before you really got into a Latin King? Do you think that would have made any difference? Well, you got to remember the reason why I ran away is because I wanted to be rebellious. So I would have never been around him in order for him to have that conversation with me because, because he wouldn't have known what I was doing. You see what I'm saying? Like my, my goal at that point was to hide everything I was doing away from not just him, but my family, you know, almost, um, I don't know how to say it, but almost until it was too late, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's really what I wanted to do. I wanted to hide it until it was too late. And then by the time I came around again, you know, there was no going back and they were going to understand that, you know, and that's literally what happened. You know, like I, I stayed away long enough to where when I come back, like, Hey, you know, this is kind of what it is. Oh yeah. Plus I got a kid on the way, you know, like they were kind of like, it was like, my life was mine now, you know, like, yeah, they were my parents, but my dad understood that if he didn't, if he didn't concede that this is the route I wanted to take, I would just leave again and I wouldn't, I wouldn't go around them. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 I can see it. And, but I just wonder if he would have been aware and could have had that conversation. Like, was it a timing thing where, you know, your mind was already, this is what I am now. And there isn't anything changing that, you know, whereas if it was, you were thinking about that, going that route, had he sat down and had that conversation with you, maybe it would have changed that. But obviously, right. chances are, if you were never around, if he didn't really know what you were doing, he would never know to have that conversation. Right. And, and listen, I liken it to this, right? And this will give people, obviously people in the neighborhood, they understand the dynamic of of a young youth who is gung-ho on being in a gang, right? They understand that dynamic. But for, but for the people who are not those kind of listeners who don't really know how deep you can be mentally. I'll liken it to something like this, right? And no, no, no intention to stir up controversy, but try to convince somebody who is a Trump follower to become a liberal and somebody who is a liberal to become a Trump follower. That's how, that's what it would have been like trying to convert me from not being a king. Totally. Totally. In fact, it's like probably exactly the same concept. Yeah, that's literally, literally. So, I mean, that's, that's how it goes, bro. You know, going into the conversation, I knew nothing was going to come from it, you know, but because it was my father, I loved him. I respected him. I, I, you know, I was going to hear him out, you know, and it was intriguing to me to hear all the things that were, and it was, you know, it's so childish now, but I almost looked at it like a badge of honor at that time. You know, I, I couldn't wait to tell the fellas like, man, you know, this damn detective was telling my dad we're doing this and we're doing that. You know what I mean? And so it was it was almost like I instead of heeding the warning, I I amplified my right. actions. Right. So yeah. it's like, OK, well, if they heard that, let me do this then, you know. So unless you got anything else, I can go on to the next one. 
I do. I want to go over to Big Who now. And oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Sorry. Yeah. So, so Big Who. Now, I assume that while he had been a Latin king, probably did not have much of a criminal history. Like he did, did not do time in jail or anything like that. Is that correct? Um, if he did. Or- if he did, he might have did a little bit of time, but not like anything substantial. You know, even you got to remember, you know, three to five years. That's that it's a long time. But in the gang life, that's not really, you know, that's that's not guys are in and out of prison all their lives. But like I said, you got to remember, too, if you if you put it in in a, in a vacuum, so to speak, his era wasn't producing the kind of crimes that my era was producing, if that makes sense. Okay, so let's just pretend that he had had like a history like what you had. Do you think that him telling you your backstory, like hit your backstory, but it's his backstory, do you think that could have had an effect on? Because it sounds like th- he was telling you this stuff kind mm-hmm. of early on. Right. He he was. He he was. This is this is before I really was was like really, really violent. Um, and that's a great question. Right. And so let me, let me answer it this way. Right. So I mentioned this before too, when, like when I was talking about not being preached to, right. And that's why I don't preach, so to speak, to, um, the people who are sharing the message with youth, or if for some reason there's a youth listen to this, because it's not like, you know, it's not like kids don't watch rated R movies or wherever the hell it is. Right. So, so let's look at it like this. I don't preach I just give information, right? So when I give information about your gang or gangs in general, that's my job. And your job is to decipher and apply it, see all the errors, right? So let's go to Big Who now. If Big Who had a history like mine at his age, right? And was able to be like, listen, Berto, like, man, listen, you know, I was in the street, man. You know, I used to be popping guys all the time. You know, we get into shootouts. You know, a lot of people got hurt, you know, but listen, you know, listen to this, man. Like some of your best friends are going to cooperate you, man. They're going to cooperate on you. Some of your best friends are going to try to sleep with your girl. Some of your best friends are going to do you dirty, man. Start analyzing that. Start looking around for that. It might not have happened overnight, but had those kind of conversations happen every day on the way to school and he was giving me information about his own past and likening it to mine and showing me kind of how he walked away from what he did. You might've seen at that point in my career, you know, telltale signs that you just completely missed maybe, maybe. because you didn't have that information. But if you had, you had that information, you would have seen things happening within the gang right. and been like, wow, this is kind of messed up. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. It's exactly. And that's a good question, man, because that's, that's, that, that approach will always come off better to me, at least. I don't know how it works for, for everybody else, but for me, that approach would have at least mm-hmm. not stopped the conversation at hello, you know, because the preachy people, the, you know, Obviously, like some of my family, even my one of my 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 older girl cousins. I remember she took me out to dinner one time on my birthday, and was explaining to me what she had heard about me and Tim, and and it was like all you know. My family was just getting different kind of um, funnels of information about really how terrible we were, 
And so, um, yeah, man, I, I think that's always the best approach is not, is not the preachy stuff. It's always information. Give the information. I'm not going to preach to you and tell you what to do because you're probably not going to do it anyways, but I can give you the information. And then if something happens, we can call you an idiot because I can say, listen, I gave you the information. What do you want me to do? Right? Like, what do you want me? I gave you the information. How many times? So <clears throat> yeah, maybe it works for me, bro. Maybe it does. It's interesting. Mm, yes. Well, one of those, you know, forks in the road. One, one little, one little change could have changed everything. So all right, that's all I got. So if you want to move on to the next one. Okay, so this is a good one too. This one, and this one strikes good for me because um, it's something I deal with every day. It says, what does it mean to you to leave Milwaukee? No longer live life there and no longer a part of gang life there. All right, so obviously the last part is no longer a part of gang life. That's the best thing in the world, right? Because I don't have to worry about you know that lifestyle you know, waking up every day, making sure I have a gun, watching everybody, because that's how I did it. I don't know how everybody else does it, but that's how I did it. You know, every day was, that was my life. So that part right there, it's kind of self-explanatory, but the, what does it mean to me to leave Milwaukee? So I actually kind of just had this conversation with my brother through a letter because he loves Milwaukee. My brother, my brother loves Milwaukee to death. And I explained to him, listen, I also love Milwaukee. I got 414 Southside tattooed on my arm. Like I got every Wisconsin um, sports team on my body, you know, so I'm, I'm mm. through and through Milwaukee, Wisconsin, hundred percent born and raised right now. <laughs> always represent that. Every tool I buy now is Milwaukee, you know? So like, like I don't play games when it comes to Milwaukee, but I'd never want to live there again, man. It's hard for me. And it was hard for me to leave Milwaukee because everything I know is Milwaukee. All my family is in Milwaukee, um, what little family that I have. And and um, I think it's important to point out, <clears throat> not just aside from not wanting to be in a gang anymore, but obviously my situation is well-documented, right? And one thing I'm not going to do, I'm not going to spit in the guy's face. You know, when I say the guys, I mean, I'm not going to spit in the Latin King's face. You know, I'm not going to go there and just just be blatantly disrespectful and be anywhere and and basically antagonize them into doing something to me. That part of my life is over. You know, I I I, uh, I hope that I'm on a lot less people's minds. Obviously, the podcast probably doesn't help, right? But but I hope I'm on a less a lot of less people's minds as far as somebody who is a threat to them, right? Because there's a lot more people that are threats to the Latin Kings right now. But my whole point of saying that is, is bro, I'm not going to throw it in their face, you know, and, and, and I respect the street. That's one thing about me. I'm, I'm never, I'm never above the street, bro. I'm never going to be like, ah, street come get me and all this, you know, bullshit you see on the internet. Nah, man, respect that street. Cause, um, the people that are in it, they take it seriously. They're willing to die for it, but more importantly, they're willing to kill for it. And so listen, man, uh, the street is no longer mine. Milwaukee is no longer mine. Um, I always represent my city. I love it, but it, it's just not the place for me. You know, um, it is hard. I miss home at times. You know, the idea of being able to go to Leon's, you know, and get an ice cream or, or, or you know, something like that. Man, listen, I, I love Milwaukee. Go down to South Shore. Um, just, just all the little stupid things that I used to do that you kind of take for granted. It's definitely hard, bro. It's, it's. Uh, and it's a change. You know, I live in a, in a place that is <clears throat> a completely different pace. 
And so that's kind of that question. You got any, you, you got any, uh, any of your own questions with it? Are you kind of at the position where there would never be a time where you would even consider moving back to Milwaukee? Yeah. I, I don't think, uh, I don't think that's in the cards for me, bro. You know, I think visiting Milwaukee is, is good enough for me. You know, I listen, I go through these spurts, bro. I miss Milwaukee. I miss Milwaukee. I miss Milwaukee. And then I go back and I'm like, what the hell did I miss about this place? You know, like you get there and, and it's just, it's not, I don't mean to bash it, you know, because obviously, like I said, I love it, but I mean, in comparison, there's, unless you're going to a corner bar or some nightclub, it's not a, there's not a shit ton to do in Milwaukee. You know, there's just, they're just not. So, you know, compared to where I live now, where I can go to any, a number of different places, different mm-hmm. towns and, and just, just have fun, just good, clean fun and, and not worry about the extra shit, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I never consider going back, bro. All right. So this one, it says, how was your life now? Was it a hard transition from gang life from prison and now to your current life? Um, so that's kind of a loaded question, right? So how is my life now? Well, I mean, aside from being swamped in bills, right? Cause that's what everybody, that's where everybody's at. I live a good life, bro. You know, I, I'm, I'm happy with my life. I work hard, you know, I go to school. Obviously I take time out to do this, which is a lot more than people probably think, you know, cause obviously I want to present it well to the audience. Um, and, and so my life now, bro, is, is really, it's on cruise control, you know, um, until I get to a place where I'm comfortable enough to, to sit back on a beach somewhere, I'm just going to keep, yeah, I'm just going to keep my head down, man, and keep working. Um, was the transition hard and then throw in the gang life. So obviously like with me, I didn't have to get out with the gang stigma still over my head. Um, but that doesn't mean that my criminal history wasn't still over my head, you know? So, um, that aspect was tough, you know, I, and, and it still is to some, uh, extent. I I feel like I've got left out of, um, some job opportunities and things like that because of my criminal history. But for the most part, my transition was probably as seamless as it could be. And I've always accredited that to the fact that my wife was my backbone. So, 100% people need that. People need somebody to be there and support them and kind of guide them. Obviously, when I left, I had a flip phone and I got out to an iPhone. A little different, right? So um, you need that help. You need those people there to to kind of usher you into the future. But for the most part, bro, I can't say I had like crazy um, obstacles and hurdles with the exception of you know, I got out there in COVID. I had to wait to get my social security card and my birth certificate and all those things that we've talked about in the past. It wasn't, it wasn't crazy hard. So I think that, that, I think that question we kind of answered through episodes. Um, so, so I, unless you got some. I do have one thing I want to just ask you about that. Taking away the, the challenges that come from being a felon, obviously harder to get a job and things like that. But do you still feel like having lost so many years of your life do you still get into situations where you look at it? You just feel like you're years and years behind everybody else. Listen, Eric, if you want me to tell the viewers that I feel like a dummy more times than not, and just say it, you know. But <laughs> not, no, not even really a dummy though. Just, just feel like, 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 why the hell are people doing this thing? 
you know, or just no, I do feel I, I do feel like a dummy though at times. I, I exactly I know exactly what you're talking about. And um there's there's still a lot of things that I just am not have not been exposed to. And so yeah, naturally I act like I know what's going on. You know what I mean? Like who doesn't do that, right? But but inside I'm like, what the <laughs> hell is this? You know? And so I it's usually it's usually at some point, whenever that is, I'll whisper to my wife, like, what's going on here? <laughs> you know, and then she'll she'll update me, you know, but but that's the thing, right? Like um 15 years, 17 years, that's a long time. And there's a lot of technological advances that happened during that time, but there's also just common worldly advances, right? That, that happened just day to day. And so, yeah, I still go through that, bro. I still go through situations where I'm like, damn, I don't know. Or, you know, I'll, we'll run into a situation, even if I'm out somewhere and then I have to be like, well, how do we do this? And, you know, I think that uh, it's fair to say that at times I have to remind my wife to be like, Hey, listen, like I'm still learning shit. Like, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm a 35 year old, you know, minus 15 years, 17 years of free time, you know? So she, she, she's patient with me, but, but I think that goes for anybody. You know, sometimes I think, uh, there's times where I'll be conversating with people over text and they'll be like, Oh, you don't know about this. You don't know about that. Like, like, no, nah, bro. I missed the twenties. I missed my twenties. Right. So I missed all that era. People were like, you ain't, you weren't out when Drake came out. Like, nah, I wasn't. I, I met Drake in, in Pennsylvania, you know? So definitely, bro. Definitely happens to me a lot. I mean, I probably ask you a million questions. How many times do you help me with this damn computer shit? I don't know how to work this. Yeah, but I deal with that with all sorts of people, none of which have lost 15 years of their life, essentially. So so that's not really abnormal to me, you know? Okay. Okay. But, all right. So you made up for calling me a dummy with a compliment. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. All right. So that's that. So let me see what else I got here. Um, and and uh, I hope that my friend you know, goes through some of our past episodes. Like we got one, like leaving prison and stuff like that. So he can kind of get an idea. I I was more thorough during those episodes. Mm -hmm. All right. So this one, I guess it kind I could have kind of coincided it with the, um, the voice in my life. And because the question is how much of an impact was your parents, were your parents, uh, during your gang life and how is it now? Okay. So, I kind of explained that, right? Like during my gang life, for the most part, I was missing in action. You know, uh, my parents didn't know where I was at. My mom knew every now and then where I was at, you know, just to kind of check on me and make sure I was, you know, I wasn't dead. Um, but, but for the most part, my dad never knew where I was at. And how was it now? Obviously, you know, unfortunately I lost my father when I was 17 and that was terrible. And my mom, you know, my mom, I still, you know, I talked to my mom, I, Obviously, I have to call her because apparently she doesn't have my number. But, <laughs> you know, I call her and I check up on her and make sure she's good. And our relationship has always been good. You know, I'm, I'm the baby of the family. So I've always been um, spoiled with attention um, as far as that goes. So, yeah, I got a great relationship with my mom. and, and um, But, yeah, unfortunately, they didn't have much of an impact, bro, because I wasn't sneaking in the house at night. You know, I was going to gang parties. I can tell you 
just from my experience, just so you know, I think I think parents just feel like it's the child's responsibility to contact them because my mother never contacts me either, so I always have to call her. So, mm. so don't okay. feel too bad about that because that, I think that might just be normal. So, okay, all right, that makes me feel better. It makes me feel better. I just thought she, I thought she grew, I thought she grew out of me. You know, I thought she grew, grew away from me. Um, all right, so then this next one is. Is it difficult to speak to fellow gang members? So obviously I'm not a gang member anymore, so I don't speak to fellow gang members. Um, (laughs) But I do have people in my life who are ex-gang members and not, not, you know, not necessarily ones that walked away on bad terms. I got people in my life that just kind of walked away. Obviously I don't say, I wouldn't say it's difficult to speak with them because we have so much history, man, that I think that, okay, so let me, let me put it like this. Even active gang members right now, mm-hmm. I know, I, I know like, obviously there's, there's still people from my clique who are active gang members from back when I was around. Right. And, um, and even if they weren't out with me, they were from my era or slightly before my era, uh, whatever the case is. My point is this gang members as a whole are hard to speak to gang members individually are not. You really get to see where somebody stands with you personally when you run into them individually. Um, and and because ultimately there's no influences around them. There's nothing that's going to, if they hate you for anything that you've done, they're going to act on it. Uh, but I got a feeling, and I could be wrong, right? I mean, I you know, I could run into Joe Blow, right? Somebody moved down here and I see him at Walmart and they want to do something, right? So, I mean, that's possible. But what I'm saying is that individually, I've had relationships with a lot of people. And for the most part, I've never done people wrong, bro. Like I've just, I, I, and I was always willing to lay it down for them. Even, and you know, and, and I mean that in both ways. So yeah, I cooperated, but it wasn't like I was, I told from the gate, you know, I was, I did time for a case. Like I, I so I, I was always willing to lay it down for the people that I messed with. And so I, I say that because I feel like if I seen individuals, not gangs, because if you see gangs as a whole, you're probably in trouble. But if you see individuals, there's probably a chance for a conversation, bro. You know, and I'm thinking worst case scenario, you walk away from it saying, I'm probably never going to talk to you again in life, bro. Like, I can't agree with anything you did. And even if they understand it, that's probably where they're going to, that's probably where the, what their stance is going to be. But But my point is that, Speaking to ex-gang members and speaking to active gang members is probably very similar as long as they're by themselves, you know? So, and I've never been the one to shy away from talking to anybody. So it's not like if I seen, you know, somebody, obviously I'm going to show respect to them because they are where they are and I am where I am. That's just the reality of my situation. It doesn't make me any less of a man to acknowledge that I'm the one who overstepped, you know? So I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, you know, to you, but for me, bro, it's, it's, uh, it's actually something I think about a lot because I feel like I know a lot of people, let me just give you an example. I'll throw out a name, right? I might not be able to talk to King Joey, Mm -hmm. right? King Joey might not have nothing to say to me, but I can talk to Joey. You know? Okay. Okay. 
And, and, and that's my point, you know, it's a roundabout way of me saying all that to say that, you know, I can, I, I believe I can have a conversation with him and I can have a level-headed conversation with him and I can explain to him, listen, bro, I never stopped loving you or any of the guys. I just had to make a decision. You didn't agree with my decision. That's why we are where we are now. But as men, before anything, we were homies, you know, like we were, we were in the thick of it together. And so that's just an example, bro. That's just, you know, that's, that's, that's a small example, but, but I believe that's, that's kind of how it would be with most of the people that I knew. Obviously people that have no allegiance to me, they don't give a shit about me. All I am is damaged goods. You know, they wouldn't have no problem seeing me die. You know, I mean, that's just the reality and it's harsh, but it's true. And I, I understand that and I accept that, you know, so that's, that's kind of how it is. I think, um, for anybody listening, wondering if that's really a thing, you know, because people probably say, oh, he, he he don't talk to no nobody who's a gang member, nobody who was a gang member. No, that's not true. You know, that's not true. And I've even talked to people who were active and I've tried to, you know, be like, bro, listen, like, look at your situation. Like, do you really want to do that? And obviously then, you know, kind of that goes on deaf ears, but, but, um, but it's still worth a shot, you know? So- you got anything for that one? I'm curious. So I want to, I just want to clarify this to see if I understood you correctly. So when you were using the example of Joey, where you, you can talk to Joey, but probably not to King Joey. So are you kind of, when you're saying that, like if you were to see Joey in a bar and he was all by himself, you could probably go up to him and have a conversation and everything would be cool. But if King, if Joey was with a King friend this scenario would be completely different. Is that kind of what you're? That's exactly what I'm saying. Um, With one caveat, because we know Joey turns into Frank the Tank. As long as it's Joey and not (laughs) Frank the Tank, then I'm talking to you. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so just so we got that clear, you know? So sober Joey. (laughs) Sober Joey. Sober Joey in a bar. I mean, but it's hypotheticals. Yeah. Uh, All right. So you got anything else for that one? I I do have one other question that's kind of spins off of this. Has, is there anybody in your past that has directly made it very apparent to you or that you just know if I ever run into this guy, bad things are going to (laughs) happen? Uh, that's a good question. Um, so I I think those guys, I don't talk to personally. Right. Like I don't have relationships with them. Um, like I said, I think there's more of the guys who maybe even if they were from my era, they might not have been out during the duration of my era, or maybe they were before my era and they got out and now they just they they were updated on everything that had happened because obviously people that were in prison and the indictment dropped, it was like this huge thing. So I think there's more of those guys that probably don't know me personally. They know of me. And they have a hatred for me, you know, that could be for a number of reasons, right? Like, and this, this is, this is, it's actually a really good question because I think about this a lot, right? Like there's so many people who cooperate, like so many people, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and I've, I've described this, uh, you know, numerous times how people go under the radar and nobody's ever really truly exposed unless they, they testify or the guy who they told on is going to trial. Nobody's ever really exposed, but there's so many people who cooperate. And so- for someone, anyone to be that gung ho on me, you know, it blows my mind, but I understand it. And the reason why I say I understand it is because 
I know the kind of guy I was when I was coming up. I know the kind of person I was. I hated snitches. I hated flakes. I hated anything that wasn't Latin Kings. And that's just how it was. So I have to respect how these people feel, even if I don't agree with it. You know what I'm saying? Um, and and uh, <clears throat> so I think it's more of them. I don't think it's anybody that I know personally that really just want, I mean, people probably want to beat me up. Right. Like I think that, that when I think about these guys, I think about like, man, they probably just want to beat my ass. Right. And and I understand that, you know, but I don't think none of those guys that I was in the trenches with, like laying my life on the line every day. For, I don't think these guys want to see me dead. You know, I could mm -hmm. be mistaken. And maybe after a couple of beers, they do want to see me dead. Right. But I mean, sober, you know, by themselves, person to person, man to man, no titles, 100 percent. I feel like I could have a conversation with most of the guys that I knew. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that that takes care of it. So was that, <laughs> was that the final question that you? No, had no, no, you no, no. Here's the last. This is the last. This is the last question, and it's kind of it's a perfect way to uh, to to end the questions because it, it kind of it goes into what we were just talking about. It says, "Is your life in danger now that you have started this podcast because of your openness and also because of your decisions?" So that's a solid question. Um. I'm interested to hear the answer to this question. Obviously, 100% right out the gate, you got to say your life is in danger. Um, anytime you're an ex anything, uh, I think that's just fair. You mm -hmm. know, um, the fact that it's a Latin king, I'm an ex Latin king, that's magnified. The fact that I cooperated, that's magnified. So, yeah, there's risk. And, um, and like I said, um, there, there's probably a lot of people that would rather see me not around, you know, but. And and also probably a lot of people that wouldn't want me to keep putting out episodes of the podcast, right? Um, <clears throat> but like I said, everything is about, to me at least, everything is about my approach um, when it comes to this quote unquote danger. You know, um, you can do a number of things in these kind of situations, bro. You can antagonize it, you know, um, you can, you, because listen, people that cooperated are still in Milwaukee, you know, but I imagine some of those people have to have guns on them all the time. And, and, and so you can go a number of different routes when it comes to assessing the danger and how you're going to approach it. And my way of approaching it is moving 2000 miles away <laughs> and, and, and showing you like, listen, bro, that's all yours. I, you know, I'm, I'm not on, I'm not on good terms with y'all. You know, I don't want, I don't, I don't, you know, I got, I got nothing for you, you know, uh, in so many ways, bro, I know people probably won't feel like this, that we're in the street life, but I feel like I don't owe nothing, bro. I feel like I'm even, you know, hmm. even though, even though obviously I crossed the line and I'm on the outs, I feel like I'm even, bro. Like I did so much for the Latin Kings, bro. So much. I gave up so much. I sacrificed everything. Mm-hmm. And I and if I stood up right now and I and I was in prison doing life right now, I would have zero to show for it. Nothing. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I'm even, man. Had I been somebody who started our indictment, you know, and was just like bringing a bunch of people in left and right or even cooperating on the street and being an informant and all that. Yeah. Now I feel like a dirt bag. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I honestly don't know, you know, but, but that's something I could never do. But my point is that I feel like what, where I was at the decision I made and, and I, and you know, all the circumstances surrounding my own case, I don't feel like, I don't feel like I'm at 
I'm at odds. I feel like it's 100% even, bro. And I could be wrong. You know, I'm sure other people don't see it like that. You know, like obviously the code is the code and 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 um and I respect that once again, bro, but but that's not you know, that's that's not a fair way to look at it, bro. You know, you give up so much. I mentioned this before, right? You could let's just put this, let's just do this, right? Let's just say um Eric was a Sawyer, right? Cuz that, you know, let's just say you're a Sawyer. Right. And and you're putting in work for the Sawyers for five years, 10 years. Let's say you did 10 years, bro. Maybe you maybe you even did a couple little small prison sentences, you know, a year here, year there for a gun charge, whatever. And then year 11, but we're just going to give a complete hypothetical. Let's let's say you get into a car accident and now you need um, painkillers. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you're, you got into a car accident. And the worst case scenario happens, you get addicted to painkillers and you start doing heroin. You go down this crazy road, right? Everything you've ever done as a Latin king means nothing now. It means zero. You literally gave up 10 years of your life, day in, day out, risking it, risking your family's life, doing everything you possibly could to be an idiot. And it means nothing now. Yeah. You see? So, So that's why I said, bro, like, I feel like I'm even, you know, I feel like I've done enough. I did enough, you know, and and where I'm at, it's not a justification, just a reality, you know. I ain't saying people gotta agree with me, but uh I'm gonna be the judge of this one. And I'm gonna say that I'm even. So Yeah. And I would agree with you because I mean, what was it, five years as a Latin king or something like that? And and yeah. they would say, Well, you only did five years, and it's like, well, you could really add a no, I really actually did twenty years. Because yeah. I mean yeah. the yeah. fifteen years in prison. I mean, yeah. maybe they can say, well, you th- some of that's on you because I guess some of it is on you, but a good part of it is on the gang itself, you know? And Right, right. No, 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 100%. And, um, and that's, a, that's a correct analysis. Even if people were to say, well, you weren't active for the 15 years in prison. But guess what? Let me tell you something. Five years, right, of every day being a Latin king, from the minute you wake up to the moment you go to sleep, that's a lifetime, bro. That's a lifetime. There's so many things that can happen in that time period. You know, we were fortunate enough. We really only lost one brother during our career, right? But as far as like act when we were active, active, like, you know, obviously, you know, brothers have passed since. But I'm saying during our active moments, we only really lost one member. And that's that's almost unthinkable considering the way we were living. Um, so, and that's why I say, man, five years is a lifetime as a gang member. It's a lifetime. And then add 15 years of prison. That That's not anything to squabble at either. Well, so. listen, man, you know, I knocked it down. No, I'm just playing. This shit was terrible. It was, it was the worst, you know? So, yeah, man, I feel like I feel like these were solid questions. And I just want to say this, right, to, to all the listeners. And this isn't a cell. This isn't a cell, but I, I can make it a cell, right? I've been interacting even with the guys on our Patreon, and um, you know they have good ideas. You know, obviously with the different tiers of uh, of the Patreon, you know you you have different um, you have different things available to you. And and one of our our main guys, this guy's been a supporter from the, from the very beginning. You know, he's he's brought some material and I'm going to use his material in in a future episode. I don't want to expose anything yet, but I just want to say, man, like people are listening. You want to be interactive. You know, 
Uh, obviously, we'd appreciate it and we'd love it if you were on the Patreon page, especially with how these people are trying to charge us for this damn free software that ain't free no more. <laughs> but, you know, so 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 we'd appreciate that. But even if you don't do the Patreon page, you're always welcome to email in and, and give a question or even a thought. Right. It could be a thought on episode. Um, I do my I do my best to be interactive as much as I can. Obviously, I explain I'm super busy. I do a lot. But but I definitely I love I love the 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 feedback, man. I do. It it really it motivates me and it also gives me ideas and it makes me think about different things in different ways. You know, so uh yeah, I just encourage that, man. I encourage obviously hundred percent I encourage everybody to sign up for Patreon, but worst case scenario, at least send an email, you know, when you get time. And uh to, to people that are out there, listen, I I look at our numbers. Our numbers are, they're growing. They're growing and growing and growing. We got people listening. I think I seen the other day, there's like, there's like eight other countries where there's at least like a couple of listeners. In, Isn't in, that crazy? In, in, <laughs> yeah. In these countries. Right. And so I'm like, man, I want to translate this. If I knew how to speak seven different languages, maybe I translate. But so, so yeah, man, just, you know, uh, just know that everybody is out there you know, people are listening in different parts of the country and obviously different parts of the world. So, so, uh, yeah, man, be interactive, man. Be, be one of the people who, who, uh, who can spark some, some good conversations. Uh, obviously I got my own conversation sparkers, but, uh, but, um, I, I definitely like the feedback, man. Like this right here was perfect. I mean, me and Eric were able to go back and forth and, and bounce off of these questions. And, and, uh, and, and, and so, Hundred percent. Yeah, and, send it in. You know, and and like I think another important part of this to point out too is is that we've had numerous guests guests on these podcasts. Some of the pod guests have been people you personally know, Berto. But right. there has been a number of people that a uh, number of our guests that have been specifically they came from the fact that they were listeners of the podcast. So right. you know, like. This is a community, and if you have something that you think is worth sharing, reach out to us and let us know that because we are not shut off from doing that. You know, this this isn't something that me or Berto owns. This is something that every, mm. all of us are contributing to. So mm, don't be afraid to ask. So yeah, hundred percent. That's that's well put. So yeah, do you got I anything? Think that's a good else? way to end it. I know. I think that was a perfect way to end, end it. it. Yeah, right there. So, well, your mailbox tomorrow will be filled with people that want want to be on the show, right? Well, I mean, listen, it's our mailbox, right? So, <laughs> well, you're going to yes. get them too. <laughs> but, I, I, but I let Berto monitor it, so I very rarely yeah. look at the email. <laughs> so, but yep. All right. Well, if you don't got anything else, Berto, I'm good. I'm good, man. Good. This was this was great. It was a great episode. So. As always, we appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, we do have the Patreon, patreon.com slash normalized crime. Uh, go check that out. As well as if you do have any feedback, reach out to us at normalizedcrime at gmail.com. And we will be back in next week with a new episode. And we thank everybody for tuning in. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to Normalized Crime. Stay tuned for the next episode.